I probably speak for all of the Christians on this Zoom call when I say that one of the the greatest battles that we face in the Christian life, the greatest battle, one of them certainly, is our struggle with with prayer. I'm pretty sure that's not um, just me that we all struggle in this area. Um, when you think about it, I suppose prayer should be, <laughs> it should be in a sense easy, right, shouldn't it? Um, after all, we are getting to speak to God. We are getting to cross that threshold that we thought about this morning where we have an all-powerful creator God willing to listen to people like us and to answer us. So prayer should be easy in a sense, but uh, for some reason it is uh, anything. But if you're anything like me, you sometimes get distracted from prayer and you get distracted in prayer and tiredness, right? Tiredness impedes us when we pray. Insincerity kind of haunts us. And if we're honest, I'm sure that there's people on the Zoom call just now who might admit uh, to going long periods, long seasons in our Christian experience where quite simply there's been very little in the way of prayer, right? We struggle with prayer. Well, in his goodness, what God does is he gives us um, a number of helps to pray in his word. And I wonder if you can think about what I mean by that. Helps that God gives us in his word. We have, for instance, we have recorded prayers, don't we? So we've got examples of prayers that we can actually use. We can go through and they can prompt us to pray. So we've got that. We've also got commands to pray. Maybe we don't linger on that idea enough. You know, sometimes we maybe just don't feel like praying. You know, we just we can't be bothered getting round to it. And then we remember, wait a minute, our creator, our God, he has commanded this and it can push us to pray. So we've got recorded prayers, we've got commands to pray, but we've also got in the Bible examples of praying people that we can follow. And really, just now, it's that third area that I want to consider just for a few moments tonight, for a short time. I just want you and I to think about the supreme example of Jesus, the Jesus in prayer. and praying about a situation that we're going to see just now as incredibly pertinent uh, to London City Presbyterian Church at this time. So you all with me, you get... We're going to think about the example of Jesus in prayer. Let me <coughs> tell you how we're going to do it. So what we'll do is we'll split this into two parts, okay? So uh, on one hand, we're going to think about the manner of Jesus' prayer. So that means we're just going to look at one of the, a couple of the details um, about how Jesus prays. And that's going to take up the majority of our time. And then at the end, we're just going to think about the matter for prayer. Okay, so what what was it that prompted Jesus to pray like this? So everyone with me, most of our time in the manner of prayer, and then just a moment or two on the matter for prayer. So let's think about the first of those, the manner. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm I'm just going to point out, you've got the text in front of you there, right? So I'm just going to point out three sort of characteristics that mark how Jesus prays. Okay, so would you do this? Would you just have a look at the start of verse a 12 with me. Let's just take it stage by stage, you know, bit by bit. Okay, so what, what do you see? How does it begin? Verse 12 says it begins in those days or in these days. So what does that tell you? 
doesn't tell you very much. Actually, does it? Like, it's a kind of a vague, very vague time reference in those days. It does actually, though, tell us that this break for prayer that Jesus did, that it happened during a time when opposition, you know, a difficult time for Jesus, like a time where opposition to our Lord was on the rise. Okay, so you've got that in these days. Right, next bit, follow it along. So the next bit, um, in these days, he went out to the mountain. So that's a bit more interesting, if you'll, if you'll permit that sort of idea, isn't it? That he went out to the mountain, because what would you say about it? You might say, well, yes, that shows us that Jesus sought solitude to pray, that Jesus wanted to be alone. You know, that we see, I guess we see there that you and I go into a coffee shop or even going into our kitchen where we're going to be likely disturbed by flatmates or children or something, that those environments aren't perhaps the most conducive to sincere prayer. You can say that Jesus is wanted to be alone, and that's fine. He wants solitude. But it's more than that, isn't it, as well? Because Jesus doesn't go into a closet and close the door. He doesn't go into his room and close the door, does he? Where does he go? He goes to a mountain, the place of divine presence, the place of divine revelation in Scripture. So Jesus is praying, and he's really truly concerned to seek God's face, to seek God's will when he prays. Um, but then I'm going to use a word that I really actually loathe. <laughs> really don't like this word at all. But we've got to go there with it. Okay, because don't we also see in verse 12, intentionality. That's a really cheesy word, isn't it? Intentionality. But we see that. Look at the text again. What, what, what do we read? In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. Like, do, do, you, do you see what I mean about intentionality, the intention of it? It is not. The idea that Jesus climbed the mountain really liked the environment around him and thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. Or, you know, gets up the top of the mountain. Oh, this is a nice view. Oh, I think I'll pray. No, you, you see it. He went to pray. This trip was specifically about prayer, for prayer. Prayer was the purpose of this journey. Jesus actually surely planned this time of prayer, setting aside time to seek God's face. And I think surely that's helpful for you and for me. Surely it's challenging because let me ask you this. When do you pray? What's it like for you? Do you pray? What's your pattern of prayer? Like in the morning, you pray. The evening, maybe. Maybe some reactionary prayer at other points. Lord, help me with this. But think about where we are, where we're at. We're in the middle of a lockdown. Lots of people with more time in their hands. We're seeing TV viewing figures go through the roof. People are buying dogs or setting out new hobbies or whatever it might be. Well, can we not, as the people of God, follow after Jesus Christ in verse 12? Maybe even this week, can we not maybe forget about Netflix for just like one evening, perhaps? And can we not plan to metaphorically journey up the mountainside to seek God's face. Here, Jesus was intentional in setting aside time. He went to pray. Surely we can do the same thing. So intentionality. The second thing that we see is, ready for it? It's intensity. Okay, let me put you on the spot for a second. Um, This morning, uh, before, if you came to church this morning, as you got out of your bed this morning, did you pray? Okay, so be truthful about it. Did you pray? If you did pray, for how long did you pray? 
Now, be honest, think about it. Did you pray for a full minute? Or was it less than that? Was it five minutes of prayer before church? Was it anyone 30 minutes of sincere prayer? (laughs) Well, although the barometer of God-pleasing prayer is not how long our prayers last, you must have noticed what you read next in verse 12. Do do you see the detail here? How long did Jesus pray for? (laughs) He prayed all Night long he prayed. He prayed all night. Now, don't just rush on. Don't ignore that. Don't pass over it for a second. Imagine it with me. So what does that mean that Jesus prayed all night? So it means that most likely Jesus walked up this mountain around, let's say, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., because any later than that it would have been dark. He wouldn't have done that. So most likely 6 p.m. he goes up this mountain to pray. Now, what does he do? He stays up on that mountain praying constantly seeking God's face until until maybe six in the morning right when light breaks when dawn comes and it's safe for him to descend that is an amazing reality isn't it 6 p.m 6 a.m in prayer then you get this okay follow this the word that Luke uses here for Jesus continue to pray all night is a very unusual word. So it's the only time that this word is used in all of the Bible. And it's this idea. So it's the idea that all night Jesus is enduring greatly in prayer. That as he prays, there is this great weight upon him as he prays. Friends, I don't need to unpack that for you or draw it out. I simply just need to ask, see when you see the length of Jesus' prayer, And you see the intensity of his prayer. Does it not move you to revisit how it is that you pray to your God? So we see intentionality. We see intensity. The the third thing that we see is an intimacy in prayer. Because I don't, you know, I don't know what Luke was up to in a sense, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yes. But you know what he does? He's just used this unique word. And how does he follow it up? He follows it up with a really unusual construction, another unusual expression, and you'll see it just at the end of the verse. So look at the end of the verse. It might not actually appear that strange to us, but it is in in the Greek, and it's, it's very rare. He says that Jesus continued in prayer to God, to God. Now, you can probably see immediately what has been emphasized there. It is the God word focus of the prayer, the concern of Jesus' prayer, not just to pray, but to seek God's guide, the Father's guidance, that we're given an insight into the inner workings of the Trinity. This is God's Son with uh, intensity. We're seeing his loving communion with God the Father. And I think that for the third time should challenge you as a Christian. Because come on, like, how do, what is the form we pray? Right? Okay, you and I are praying to God, but so often, is it really God-oriented, God-concerned prayer? What usually happens when you pray or I pray? It's about us, isn't it? Like so often we're praying and we're just looking for help. We're praying, oh God, you know, resolve this problem, make my life easier. When we pray, are we really entering into prayer thoughtfully, desperately hoping to encounter God, to know God, to speak to God, to delight in God, to seek God's will? Friend, when we pray, I ask you, is there the intimacy that there should be with our Heavenly Father. So we see the manner of prayer. We see intentionality. We see intensity. And we see intimacy. Now, I promised you, didn't I, 
there's two things, and I promised you more than that, that the second one was much briefer. So if, well, much more brief, if you're falling asleep, waking yourself up, and we'll, we'll kind of close with the matter for prayer. Because um, you read this, or Jack read this out, and you followed along, and um, you must have noticed why Jesus engaged in such dedicated, intense prayer at this point. Did you notice it? You must have noticed it. Did you? Jesus prayed like this because the next day he was about to appoint men for ministry. That's why he prays. This prayer is in the context of Jesus choosing men to be aged in gospel work. And so right now, penny drops, doesn't it? And you see there the incredible pertinence, relevance of this section of scripture to London City Presbyterian Church as you enter into a time of vacancy. And there's an obvious lesson, right? Like if Jesus is going to pray in advance of making appointments, oh, obvious lesson. <laughs> the church should follow suit and should pray. Okay, get that. That's fine. I just want to break it up um, into three parts because you might not recognize this, but in, in reality, in the coming weeks, the coming months, LCPC is going to, as a congregation, there are going to be a number of crucial appointments made at LCPC, a number of them that, that require prayer. So let me just mention them to you and you remember them. First, there should be prayer for the appointment of what is called an interim moderator. And, you know, I say that, and some of you, they are, like, some of you know the inner workings of Presbyterianism, right? Some of you know inside out how the free church works and all that. Some of you, there's others of you on the call, who have never even heard of what, an interim moderator. And what is weird, what, what is that? So I think it's just worth me mentioning and spelling it out. So what happens when a minister is called away, what happens, and there's a vacancy, is that the presbytery, they appoint a temporary, almost kind of like replacement. So it's a, another minister whose job it is to come along, to come into LCPC, to come alongside LCPC, maybe to help with some of the pastoral emergencies, but certainly it is their job to help the congregation in your search for a new man. Now, you don't necessarily, all of you, get to choose who that interim moderator might be, although the elders have uh, an input and they can have some chats with potential candidates, make, make recommendations, all that sort of thing. But I want to say this to you. Oh, that appointment, should it not should it not be covered in sincere prayer? Like You maybe recognise how crucial a decision it is, the appointment of that man. I would urge you, uh, please pray that a good interim moderator is appointed to this congregation. One, with time to give. Sometimes the, the, the interim moderator can just be too busy. Pray that it's a, a man with a heart for London and this congregation. Pray that it will be a man who can be a sincere help to London City Presbyterian Church in, in, in this crucial choice. So that's the first one. There's only, there's only three. The second one, there should be prayer about the end of what is called, wait for a, a vacancy committee. And again, some of you, you know all about a vacancy committee, don't you? You've you maybe served in one before. Others of you are not sure exactly of the procedures of the preacher. So let me tell you what's going to happen. An interim moderator will be appointed. And one of the very first things that he will do is he will appoint what is called a vacancy committee. And that is made up of the office bearers of the church and it is made up of other people at LCPC. And wait for the responsibility. 
So a, a vacancy committee is their responsibility to organize potential preachers, ministers, supply preaching, either live or by video link. It is their responsibility to whittle down potential candidates and eventually their responsibility to present to the congregation, you know, potential candidates to fill this pulpit. Now, the obvious thing for me to say is, okay, the vacancy committee needs your prayer. You've got to pray for unity for them and wisdom to sermon out of the works. And you get that. That's fine. But is it not the case that even the, perhaps especially the appointment of the vacancy committee is a crucial matter? Friends, as Jesus prayed here solemnly before choosing the 12, you need to be praying before the appointment, the choosing of the vacancy committee, praying that gospel-loving, really warm, spiritually discerning people are involved seeding this congregation to their next pastor. And then, like, then we close, right, last thing. So interim moderator, vacancy committee, you know where I'm going. Everyone knows where I'm going, okay? There needs to be prayer for the appointment of the new pastor, the new minister. And I know... I know you know that, right? Like, no one on this call is going to disagree that, oh, it's a crucial appointment where, you know, we've got to cover this in prayer. We've got, you know, the new minister, yes, we've got to pray to God about this. That's obvious. Yes, that's fine. Right. I still think it's worth me saying it. I'll tell you why. Um, maybe you know your own heart. And maybe you know that there can very often be a gap between knowing we should be praying about something and actually you and I getting down on our knees and spending some serious time speaking to God about it. Is that right? It's not just me. Surely it's the same for you. A disconnect between knowing, oh, yes, I ought to be praying for that and actually us spending really good time seeking God's face. So I urge you to actually pray. Pray that God will lead you to a minister and one that will love you so much. One who will serve you with all of your heart. Pray for a minister who will present to you time and time again the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, your saviour from sin, because you know as well as I do that is what all this is about. Why does Jesus pray in Luke 12, uh, Luke 6? Why does he pray? He prays because he is just about to entrust men with the greatest of all tasks, to bear witness to his perfect life and his atoning death and his majestic resurrection, we follow suit, right? We pray in this way about these things, why all that the Lord Jesus Christ might receive the glory and the honour and the praise and how. How? Through the continued witness of London City Presbyterian Church.